2: Maybe by listening and paying attention to the message you've given everybody here is that the real value in all this is being a part of your team, getting the most out of what you're capable of doing, working hard, learning about discipline, being coachable, and if everybody can try to do that, you're going to have a great coach-player relationship and the relationship is going to build and build and build and last for a lifetime.
3: This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. Joining me today is one of the most storied coaches in the history of college baseball, as well as a Reform Sports Project advisory board member, Jack Leggett. Coach Leggett and I dig into his entire Hall of Fame career, starting at the University of Vermont, moving to Western Carolina University, and where he's most notably known for his success, the Clemson Tigers. We talk about the relationships he formed along the way, his coaching philosophy, and his thoughts on youth sports. Man, I'm fired up. I almost feel like I'm talking to Michael Corleone. I feel like I'm talking to The Godfather. Not in the organized crime sense, though. In the college baseball, in the college sports sense, I've been fortunate enough to build a relationship with this gentleman, this legend uh, over the last you know year and a half or so. Man, I can't meet someone or talk to someone at the highest, at the low. Everyone knows who he is. He's just a legend, a living legend. And it's privileged to have had uh, the opportunity to connect and form a relationship with him. But uh, once again, pumped to have him. Former coach of Clemson, Hall of Famer, all that stuff, uh, Coach Jack Leggett. Coach Leggett, thanks so much. Seven, pumped to have you.
2: I'm glad to be here, Nick. Glad to talk to you.
3: Michael Corleone, when was the last time you were called Don Corleone?
2: <laughs> but this is the first. This is the first. So we're. This is a groundbreaking interview. Before we even get started, I,
3: I love it. I feel like I am the guy on the knees at the end of the first Godfather when you know he kisses Michael's hand and, and says, "Godfather." You know, like that's me right now. So just to give you a little visual, that's how I feel. But Coach, where the, where that comes from is this, and I know we spoke about a year or so ago on your passion about youth sports and and development and athletics. We we really got into the importance of kids playing multiple sports. What I want to talk about here with is i've been fortunate to connect with with many coaches as you know you've helped introduce me to quite a few and what i didn't realize coach is how how vast your network is and, and what i mean by that is as someone who played at a division three school and i'm gonna set this up here i'm gonna let you go with it i was a division three player and fortunate i got to play for another legend mike fox north carolina wesley and we won championships had great experience but why do i bring that up it's because you and i connected Here I am, a little D3 player, but I'm talking to one of the Division I goats of all time. How? Well, one of your players, Michael Johnson, was my teammate in the summer of 1999. We got to play in the summer together, and through that relationship, you know, we talked 18, 20 years later, and this topic of youth sports comes up, and he's like, you know, Coach Leggett, is. I've talked to him about it. He's passionate about this. The point I'm making, Coach, is the intertwining and how small – I want to call it the fraternity is, of college sports. It's almost like the true value, in my opinion, are the relationships that you form. It doesn't matter if you're D3. It doesn't matter if you're D1. It's like junior college. It doesn't matter, NAI. You've been in that locker room. You've been in that fight. What is it about the bonding, the camaraderie that comes across? How does that happen? God knows that you've done it at every level.
2: Well, I think inherently, I think everyone wants to be a part of a team. A team means that you are working together for a common goal. Uh, You're not afraid to sweat and work hard and sacrifice and give up some things. Um, Everyone enjoys uh, the highs of victory. And deep down, everyone wants to exhibit sacrifice and discipline toward achieving success. They don't want success to just jump in their lap. I think everybody enjoys it much better, when everybody works hard together to achieve something. And I think in that respect, everybody appreciates much more than if something's given to you. And I think that's where team sports come in. Um, and I think you're working toward a common goal and working hard toward achieving success together with a group. Um, everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. And uh, it's important when you have a team to everybody leans on everybody's strengths. Everybody overshadows everybody else's weaknesses. And in the end, it becomes great satisfaction and reward and being part of that team. The time that you put in together on and off the field, in the locker room, on the bus, all those kinds of things, the low moments, the high moments, the tough talks from your coach, the encouraging talks that you get from your coach, whatever it might be, all of those lessons become indelible in your head if you're paying attention to what's going on around you. Become indelible, and then you pass those on to somebody else. It might be your family, it might be a team that you coach, it might be your kids, your grandkids, whoever it might be. It might be your neighbor, or it might be somebody in your family, or your younger brother, sister. But um, the lessons learned by being a part of that team get passed on down through generations, and that's what was always exciting for me, Nick, is just allowing um, baseball to be a you know uh, a venue. And an atmosphere, and an environment where everybody could learn a little bit more about themselves and learn what it was to sacrifice and be a part of the team and be unselfish and create those relationships that, that I enjoyed uh, and still enjoy uh, with my coaches and players for the rest of my life. And that's really what it was all about for me. And I think that's, everybody can take that. It doesn't matter what level you play or what sport you play or, or whatever. I think those are the valuable things that you take out of team sports, and being a part of a team. And I, I think it's a, it's a valuable. It made my college experience, made my high school experience, it made my life to be a part and be uh, responsible to what the team needed. So that, to me, is what it's all about. And in a that nutshell, that's it.
3: And it's I find it interesting, Coach, because, you know, and I get it. You know, when we spoke earlier, and I, I can say this is, let's face it, when you think of Jack Leggett, you think of Clemson. I mean, that's, you know, you do. But you told me your, your relationships with at Western Carolina and places you were before Clemson are just as valuable, right? I mean, in many instances, and I know Coach Fox told me, you know, after he retired from Carolina, he's like, Nick, I got just as many calls and messages from North Carolina Wesleyan people as I did from from the Tar Heels. You know, there's no difference. So the reason I think this is so important to articulate is because in in, in the modern day today, you know, technology, it's, it's so easy to see which 17-year-old is getting offered. You know, which 18 year old. So there's almost like this idea that anything less than a power five or a D, it's always D1, is like less than. Not that that shouldn't be, you know, people, you should celebrate that. I I get that. But it doesn't mean that it should look down. A kid should feel like he's lackluster because not everyone has the God given abilities as a power five athlete or a D one athlete, but that doesn't take away that gold, that experience that comes from it. So can you kind of get into, you know, you, the the place that you cut your teeth, you know, you didn't just wake up and become you college coaches. I mean, that, you want to talk about a grind. You guys don't get a lot of money when you start this thing. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a tough racket to start. And can you talk about those relationships you form when you were cutting your teeth, you know, before you got to the big time? Well, I will, because in, in, I'll just start in high school. I had really good
0: high school coaches and I was fortunate, you know, to, be you on know, a couple of state championship teams
2: and never lost a game after the middle of my sophomore year in football and a couple of state championships in, in baseball. And the memories that I have with the, and basketball, I played basketball also. So I played all three sports in high school and uh, didn't want to give any of them up. I went to college. And it wasn't about the scholarship. I went to the University of Maine on no scholarship. I just wanted an opportunity to play, an opportunity to learn. And then it was up to me to prove that I could play at that level and uh, be someone of value on that team. And so I went there and I wanted to play football and baseball because I couldn't give up either one. I love basketball maybe as much as the other two but it was sandwiched in the middle there so I kind of had to give that one up when I got to college but it hurt me to do it because I I really wanted to play all three and so um, to me it was uh just the opportunity. I didn't need somebody to promise me anything. I didn't want anybody to tell me I'm going to start or do this or how much I was going to play or how much scholarship I was going to get or not. It did not matter to me. I just wanted an opportunity to go to school and to pursue my athletic dreams as well and to be a part of a team. And so that's why I chose University of Maine. And there was no guarantees about anything. I went there, earned my time there, wasn't the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, uh, but I developed into a, a very good player on, and captain of both of those teams and, and all East and all conference and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I felt like uh, it was due to the fact that I didn't have anything handed to me. I didn't have anybody tell me you know, how good I was. I didn't have anybody rate me on what kind of player I was in Vermont. Um, you know, before I went to school at the University of Maine. I didn't have, all I knew is what I could take care of, and that was I could outwork anybody else. I could be a sponge and listen and pay attention. I could get the most out of my abilities, and I could be disciplined, and uh, I could be a great teammate, and I could be a leader, and I could figure out how to become the best uh, athlete, the best person I could be, on my own, and uh, and I had good coaching, I had good people, good structure around me, and we didn't have the facilities that people have now, we didn't have, you know, my weight room in college was a racquetball court with a universal machine in the middle of it, and uh, there was no frills, there was no music, there was no mirrors, it was just go up to the racquetball court, try to lift as much as you can, get strong as you could, go out on the football field and, and go to work, and uh, so that was, you know, we didn't have the frills, and so it was it was really basically about playing all the time, and there was nobody handing handing you anything. And so that was a good lesson. I went back to the University of, uh, to Burlington, Vermont, at the University of Vermont, and I was trying to kick. I also I played every down on defense and captain of defense, but I also field goal kicked, and uh, still hold, or somebody tied it a couple of years back, 52 yarders been hanging in there 40-some-odd years now since
0: 1960. 19-
2: so I guess 45 years has been hanging in there as the record at the University of Maine 52 yards but I was a football player and that was just something I did on the side and somebody told me my coach had told me and he had some experience uh, told me that he thought I could kick in the NFL so I was trying to kick in the NFL and go to tryouts whatever in June and I was in the field house at the University of Vermont kicking and uh, my leg was very strong at the time and so that's my dream and the athletic director assistant AD comes through the uh you know, uh, the field house there opens the door and he walks in. and I knew him. He goes, Jack, how would you like to be the club baseball coach? Because it was just a club team at the time at the University of Vermont. I'll pay you $600 and a 20 game schedule. And um, it's going to turn to varsity status in July, along with lacrosse and gymnastics. And if you do a good job, we may hire you as the head baseball coach at the University of Vermont. So I would have been only 23 at the time. So I thought about a day or two, took the job. And, uh, you know, we, we played our 20 games. We played against Division One competition, other schools that were varsity sports and did well. And they offered me the job, paid me $4,900. I had to get my master's out of it. I had to teach in the physical education department. I didn't have any assistant coaches, so I was coaching every phase of the game, every day down to practice. And uh, never thought two things about it. And then they bumped me up to 9,000 the next year, then 10, 2, 10, 8, 11, 6, 12. Rolling in it, just rolling in it. <laughs> just rolling in the dough, <laughs> teaching. Uh, I got an assistant coach for $1,500 for the last two years, and uh, but I was teaching, and I, was, I had my master's now by this time, and I was single, and I didn't give it a second thought except I was doing what I was passionate about. And so stayed there five years. We ended up in the uh, New England championship game the last two years against the University of Maine, my old alma mater who had scholarships. We didn't have any scholarships at all. All our kids were there just playing. And so those guys are now 60 years old or more. And um, they were playing for me when I was 24 and they were probably 18. And I was 25 and they were 19 and so forth. And so we have this relationship. We've, uh, you know... It just is unbelievable that they look at me as their coach. They look at me. There's still, you know, there's a small age difference at that time, but it was big enough so that they respected me. I respected them. Um, So that's awesome. Went to Western Carolina University, went down south to get better weather and uh, got that job down in in Culloway, North Carolina, and stayed there nine years. We won five championships in a row in 85, and nine. And we're in the championship game eight out of nine years. And uh, it was a great, great place for me. And and, uh, then I ran into Coach Wilhelm at camp and in in the competition when we played them when I was at Western Carolina. And when we played Clemson and he asked me to come over and be assistant coach for a couple of years. And he knew he was going to retire in a couple of years. And so he kind of groomed me. And that's kind of what he... He wanted to see the program handed over to me, so I was very fortunate that he respected me and went there two years as an assistant coach and then 22 years as the head coach. And then uh, Nick, you know, got involved with USA Baseball for... Yeah. Three years, coached the team for two years and dealt with the 18U team that traveled all over the world. And we had great relationship with those kids. So the bottom line to your question is this. It doesn't matter whether it was University of Vermont. It didn't mm-hmm. matter whether it was Western Carolina University. It didn't matter whether it was Clemson University or the USA Baseball. Every one of those kids feels a certain loyalty to me. I feel it to them. We have mutual respect back and forth. We have great relationships back and forth. And so it doesn't matter at what level or where you're playing the sport or what sport you're playing. If the coach does a good job and he understands he cares about you more than just as a baseball player or as an athlete, but cares about you academically, cares about you socially, cares about your life. Then you learn to care about him in the same way or her in the same way. And the next thing you know, you've created that team. You've created that will to win. You've created that uh, we will do anything for you or we'll run you know, through the brick wall for you. You've created that mutual um, respect, back and forth. And that creates a relationship for a lifetime. And that's why I got into coaching. That's why we've been successful for a long period of time. That's why uh, the relationships are lasting, and that's why, regardless of how many games somebody wins or loses, or the teams win or lose, or whatever, the most important takeaway from from all of this is the relationships are the things that last the longest and will always be there when, you know, when things start to, everybody gets a little older or whatever, the relationships are always going to be there and the lessons learned are always going to be passed on. And that's, that's what coaching and that's what being part of a team is on any level in any sport. And that's what I hope uh, any kid who gets involved, you know, with athletics or sports, um, I'm hoping that they get coaches that care about them. And I'm hoping that they give their coaches What the coaches are looking for, that's honest work every day, being on time, having a great attitude, being a good teammate, being unselfish, being coachable, being eager, having a smile on your face. You do those things and you're going to find you're going to get the most out of your coach. And if the coach does those things, he's going to find he's going to get the most out of his players. And uh, it's a pretty simple formula. And not everybody does it well, but maybe by listening and uh, paying attention to what the message you're, you're giving everybody here is that the real value in all this is being a part of your team getting the most out of what you're capable of doing working hard learning about discipline and being coachable and if everybody can try to do that on both avalas you're gonna have a great coach player relationship and the relationship is gonna build and build and build and last for a lifetime
3: that's Shaq Leggett, Hall of Fame baseball coach. When we return, Coach Leggett and I talk about the importance of finding a right fit when it comes to college and how if you work hard, there's an opportunity for everyone out there.
1: Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. <sighs> <sighs> Select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See Lisa.com for more details. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat.
3: Welcome back to the Reform Sports Project podcast, where Coach Leggett and I left off. We were about to dig into finding the right fit from a student-athlete perspective and how the best competitors always compete with respect. Coach, I did a tweet the other day and you inspired it. I think I texted you and said, you kind of inspired this. It was when I wrote, the D3 coach you're big leaguing is probably really good friends with the D1 coach that you're dying to play for. And it kind of goes on to say, like, coaches talk, you know, like, the message to send is, it's not to be a threat, It's, it's... just be aware. And I think that's, that's courtesy. Don't burn a bridge. Like, and I think to me, the whole message was be respectful. You know, I'm a parent. I have six kids. Like I want my kids to be respectful to adults, to a coaches. And, and that was kind of the message, the takeaway. Why you inspired it is this coach. I'm a D three guy. I love D division three. I-, I would go on a limb and say, I'm biased. Right. But why, you know, why is that? It's probably because I wasn't good enough to play at Clemson. So I am probably pissed off about it. I don't know. But uh, at the end of the day, one of your best friends, which I found out or, or was is that Flaherty? I didn't know. I had oh, yeah. no idea. He's a legend. You know, he's a division three coaching legend. I mean, one of the best programs in the country is Southern Maine. Um, you know, they've won national titles. And I mean, you know, for me, I was at North Carolina Wesleyan. You talk about, you know, you go to the World Series. We're running into Southern Maine. We're running into Eastern Connecticut. And I find out you also know Bill Hallowati, right? And, and uh, why, why am I bringing this up? Bringing it up because it's true. And, you know, I, w- I would love for you to talk about how because people will say to me, and I've actually had Division three coaches tell me, no, I, I love, I ask them, like, do you aspire to go to Division one level? Some say, sure, I'd love to maybe, but some say, man, I love where I'm at. Yeah, I'm a lifer here. I love what I, you know, we've built, so on and so forth. With your conversation with Coach Flaherty, your relationship, like, was there any ever like, oh, he didn't make it because he's not at D1? Aren't there great coaches at every level? Can you kind of dig into that specifically when it comes to, there's, there's great teachers at every level, and, and case in point, obviously, you and Coach Flaherty share that relationship, and you're both legends in your own particular right.
2: Right. I think it's a great point. is the fact that there's a school for everybody out there. There's an opportunity out there for everybody at every level. And not everybody, um, if everybody liked the same girl, we'd be in trouble. Everybody liked the same <laughs> food. Everybody liked the same food. There'd be one restaurant. If everybody liked the same car, there'd be one car. This world survives on diversity. This world survives on people being different and having a different opinion and having different likes and so forth and, and different abilities. And so yeah, there's there's great coaches at the division three level, at the junior college level, at the NAI level, at division two level, you know, all levels of division one. There's really good coaches out there. Not everybody can be a division one coach. Not everybody can be a power five coach. Not everybody is built that way. Not everybody is built to be a head coach. There's there's coaches out there that just love being an assistant coach. You, you have to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are, um, what opportunities are available, uh, what life changes you have to make. Um, you know, Eddie Flaherty, for instance, as a Division three coach, that's his niche. He's very good at it. He's respected. He's a Hall of Famer. He's uh, been successful. He's got his players are just as loyal and appreciative and respectful as the players that i ran into to division one level uh, there's high school coaches that are incredibly successful and have loyalty and respect back and forth from their players and that their kids go off and come back and they remember their high school coaches like i remember mine and i remember what they did for me i remember what they told me at certain times i remember how you know you get your rear end shooter i remember how you got encouraged i remember all of those things. So. There's no magic formula about whether you're successful or not by what level of baseball or what level of sport or what level uh, that you're teaching at or coaching at. And, you know, one of my big talks or, you know, one of my big emphasis um, at the national convention this past year at the ABCA convention was I parlayed it off Garth Brooks' song, The Dance, which is maybe my favorite song in, in all of the world. And all it says is, if I knew how this would end, would it have been worth the dance? Would it have been worth everything I put into it? Would it, You know, everybody feels like a king at one time, um, but I didn't know that the king would fall. So not everybody ends up and finishes up as well as they want to at the end of the season or the end of their career, you know, in terms of the number of wins and losses or whatever, but it's about the dance. It's about the relationships. It's about the work and the journey toward trying to win the games and teaching the kids and developing them and so forth. So there's a level for everybody as an athlete, and there's a level for everybody as a coach. And nobody, and, and I certainly have got some great relationships with Division Two, II, Three coaches, junior coaches, it doesn't matter to me, because I've got respect for what they're going through and what they have to sacrifice to make their program work, and in a lot of ways, you know, there were a lot of times. To be honest with you, uh, Nick. There were a lot of times where we might—fortunately, it wasn't many—but <laughs> there were times where a team would jump on a van, drive five hours. It was a Division One program. But they might not have had the same uh, advantages we had at Clemson or the same budget or the same salaries or whatever it was. But they came here, and they might beat us on a Tuesday or Wednesday. And I I had been at that level before. I had been there before. So I knew what these guys were doing. They were getting on the van at 12 noon, getting here at 5, jumping on the field, putting their cleats on in the dugout and putting their jerseys on in the dugout, stretching, going out and taking batting practice, and then beat us. And, you know, I had respect for that because I knew what they were going. I would they would be driving home in the van and I would pick up the phone and call the coach. And I would say, you know, you got us today. I respect your program. I know what it took to get down here. And yeah, it was a tough pill to swallow. I had 5,000 people in the stands that weren't excited about it. <laughs> but but I will tell you how much I respect your program. I've done that several times because I know what it's all about at different levels. And your comment is, is right on the mark that, It doesn't matter what level you play, what sport you play. If you have a good relationship, coach-player relationship, and you know you're all in the same, you know, I'm in the
3: trenches with you and you're in the trenches with me, then that's all that counts. That's what's memorable. You know, you just released your book and your course, which is phenomenal. I'm grateful to have been able to read the book. It was outstanding. So in the book, though, as I'm reading, in the middle of the book is a picture of you and and Coach Fox, you you and Mike Fox, who I look up to tremendously. I played for him for one year, but I've never played for someone like that. And it's not because he went on to Carolina to have an amazing career at Carolina. It's because I just I think you know what I'm saying when I say this. I'd still pick up the phone with him now. And he laughs when I tell him. He scares me in a good way. Like, I just I want to (laughs) like... I want to salute him. I want to just, yes, sir. Like he, you know, it's just, I have the utmost respect for him. He brought the most out of me. I take a picture of the book, the picture of you and him shaking hands, and I send it to him. I go, Coach, I'm reading Coach Leggett's book, and look at this picture right in the middle of the book. And he writes back one word in all capital letters. He writes back respect. What do you think he means by that?
2: Well, I think we had Mutual respect. Even though we had great competition, uh, we battled for the same goal to get to Omaha, win a national championship, or win the ACC championship, and to beat each other on the weekends. We had respect for each other's program. His kids worked hard, our kids worked hard, we played hard, they played hard. There was no BS going back and forth between the dugouts or anything like that. It was just a uh, it was a respect back and forth for his program and his uh, his team for our program, and uh, so I think that's regardless of the intensity of the competition, that's one word that should always um, be prevalent, and that is respect. You respect your opponent. You don't fear them. You don't you know you're not afraid of them. You don't. Um, Disrespect respect them, but you respect them. And if you respect your opponent and you respect the people you're playing against and they earn it, then that's where the competition is fun. That's where it was all out, all 27 innings that weekend, three-game series. It was all out on the table, all out on the field, and that's where uh, that's where that word comes in. We had mutual respect for each other, and we shook hands, and then it was on for three days, and um, we try to give each other our best knocks, knock each other out, but in a sportsmanship uh, and respectful way. And uh,
3: I think that's what he meant by that, because I would use that word as well. Is there something about the rivalries that bring out like you might not like each other between the lines? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about as a competitor myself. Our rival in college was Methodist, right? North Carolina Wesley Methodist. We didn't like each other. You know, it was wise because both of us were it was one of us usually was going to the World Series. Most of the time it was us. But nonetheless, they gave us the business. But it was respect. We might have hated each other for that nine innings that day. And we really didn't like each other, but it brought out the best. Is that kind of what you mean? It's like this love hate relationship.
2: Yeah, it's just like kind of pretty much anything. It's, you know, it's, uh, you, know you, you always, if you've got this respect, you can compete hard. You can, you know, you can grind it out. You can look each other in the eye and go, we're going to beat you today, all this kind of stuff. And you can be on that edge. But at the same time, when it's over, it's over. And during it, you just got to handle yourself like a man and yourself like a gentleman. Make sure your team is always handling themselves the way they're supposed to and being respectful to their opponent. If you can do that and have a very competitive team, then you really got something going. And I think that's uh, you know that's the goal of all coaches is um, you don't want to be on that edge where the people leave your field and they go, man, that was a Bush League outfit or that was a Bush League competition. I, I've, I'll be honest with you. I've played against some teams and some players and some coaches that I, I didn't want to come back to my field. And that's very rare. But I can, I can name a few on my, on my hand that one time was enough. Didn't need didn't to do it again. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, I've coached in over 2,000 games, in Division One baseball games, and we've won a lot of them, you know. But in the end, and we've lost. You know, we've won over 1,360 whatever it was, and we've lost some, you know. And, but either way, you got to walk off the field knowing that your team gave it their best, and uh, hopefully that team driving away in the vans or on the bus or going to grab a plane or whatever it might be says man that was great competition i respect that program the feedback i get from the coaches that we competed against is always positive that way and i feel good about that i don't think anybody's out there going man that was a bush league outfit man they were you know i don't see that or haven't felt that in the 38 years or 40 years i've been coaching I, i think it's I think it's one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that when people left our field or we left their field, uh, they respected how our team played, how hard they played, how tough they played, uh, and uh, how they went about
0: their business. So I think that's that's what Coach Fox meant by respect, It was just
2: mutual
3: respect back and forth. That's exactly what I took. Coach Leggett, man, this has been awesome. You're the freaking man. I'm, I, I love it. I, I get nervous. I get nervous talking to you guys, but it's, I love it. I'm grateful for you. Um... People talk about like the Parcells coaching tree, the Belichick coaching tree. Your coaching tree is just absolutely—it's stupid, it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> and real quick, I'll, I'll say it and then and forty-five seconds to say something about it. This is all I know. It's Tim Corbin. It's uh, Coach Schloss, Slosh Nagel. It's Eric Bakich. It is uh, who the hell else? It's it's Oh Sullivan, Oh Sullivan, um, Tom
2: Reganis, yeah. Tom Aginis. Dan Pepicelli at Cornell, Tom Reginus at Winthrop, uh, Mike Hampton at uh, St. John's, uh, you know, John Pulowski at Western Kentucky. Uh, it goes on and on. There's just so many guys that are out there coaching that I'm proud of and uh, guys that either played for me or coached with me. Um, you know, they're out there, they're spreading the word. You know, at North Carolina t Ben Hall uh you know and i think it's uh there's just so many guys out there that are either assistant coaches head coaches that are grinding that are teaching that have taken lessons uh from the times we spent together and hopefully they're spreading them and i keep in touch with all these guys they keep in touch with me and they ask you know advice they'll call what do you think about this what do you think about that or just talk um and i think it's uh it's a testament to you know the programs that we've run and how we've gone about it and uh and the fact that I've been lucky enough to recruit really good, solid people who want to pass these things on and want to coach. And I've been able to hire really good guys around me that, uh, you know, have brought out the best in me as, as well as, uh, me hopefully teaching them something to let them go off and do their own thing in a, in a different environment, a different venue. And I think, uh, that's one of the things I'm most proud of is, you know, I, I turn on the TV and I, I see guys playing for a national championship against each other and, and uh, They both worked in the program at one point. I see another guy win a national championship a couple years ago, and he spent nine years with me. And I I just see it over and over and over. Rodney Hennon at Georgia Southern, head coach at Georgia Southern. I mean, it goes on and on that there's there's guys that that have been involved in our programs that are are now out there teaching and coaching. And, And that's probably one of the things I'm most excited about.
3: Coach Leggett, JackLeggett.com. They can pick out all of the, uh, the course. It's not just a book. It's yep. a course. Where, where can they find that? JackLeggett.com? JackLeggett.com.
2: They can find the book. It's called The ABCs of Excellence. And uh, it's a book for all sports, um, all coaches at any level, athletes business people, parents, anybody who's striving to find a little bit more excellence in their life. I think it's simple read. It's easy read. It's something that's got, you know, good lessons in it. And at the same time at jacklegget.com, they can bundle it with the course, which is 29 videos that are all 10 minutes or less. And they have free access to that once they buy the book and the course together. And We had a Zoom call the other night with a bunch of coaches that bought it on the launch uh, in the early part. And uh, so I think it was about 150 that had access to that, either live or at a different time. So that was neat. We may do some more of those, but I can go to jacklite.com or they can go to Amazon and get the book alone. And pretty soon there'll be the ability to get the book and the course separately. But I I recommend both of them together. I think they're very valuable tools to find out how you can be better at what you want to be
3: need to change that website to the goat.com greatest of all time baby i'm grateful <laughs> for you coach thank you so much thanks nick i appreciate everything that's Shaq leggett hall of fame baseball coach Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project.
0: slash iHeart.